We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. It is Thursday morning, the last day of November, uh, November 30th, and it's time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am Nick Kendall out here in Seattle, and that is Scott Kennedy out there in Atlanta. Scott, how are you doing? Are you uh, your legs jealous? What's going on? Are you yeah. telling me about that bike ride? I can't imagine. Yeah, Nick wasn't feeling very good yesterday, so we had to catch up a little bit. We talked yeah. pretty much every day, and mm-hmm. so we had to catch up just a little before we went on because he was feeling under the weather yesterday too. But I, I actually did a 30-mile bike ride with 1,700 feet of elevation, which was, for this old guy, it was a pretty good ride. It took me just under two hours. So I uh, I felt it yesterday. I was in bed at 9. It was like as soon as Thomas and, um, and Ron signed off, I'm like, edit, 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 going to bed, I'm getting in bed. <laughs> oh, man, I'm uh... – <laughs> I'm jealous of the early bed. I've been up till like midnight almost every night. Uh, last yesterday, I didn't get home from work until like eight because I didn't get into work until eleven. Because guess what? We're touring daycares now, and that's like a second rent uh, pay. So it's uh, all the fun times here. But happy to have a little bit of a escape and some normalcy and talking a little bit of football. Maybe not so normal because we're talking about playoffs and a winning team in playoffs. Denver. Something that I have not done since starting to cover the team in 2017. Um, so this is a exciting for me so congrats everybody uh, make sure you give me a congrats in the chat um and let's say hello to some people in the chat we got ethan in the house one of our all-time favorites uh good morning gents in broncos country good to see you ethan ethan at some point it's more of an off-season conversation but we need to talk about your favorite linebackers because i have evolving opinions on that linebacker spot and i think it'd be worth getting into at some point that's an off-season conversation uh, Aaron Wagner coming in here saying morning gents looking to the draft. Sean Payton doesn't still doesn't seem like he has a very wow playbook with Russ. Even if Denver keeps him, do you guys think they take a quarterback round one or two this season? I think a quarterback round one or two is certainly possible for the Broncos, but we need to see who comes out first and foremost. Uh, it sounds like some of the guys who people were potentially interested in being that tier after the big two in this class and Caleb Williams and Drake may, uh, a lot of those guys might be returning. Uh, you have uh, somebody who a lot of people liked entering this season, uh, Riley Leonard from Duke, who's been injured, but he entered the portal, and it sounds like he's on his way to Notre Dame, so he'll be fun to evaluate instead of Duke at Notre Dame. Quinn Ewers has a lot of arm talent. He's a little bit small for me, but uh, he's going to head back Texas. There's some buzz that J.J. McCarthy might be back at Michigan, uh, so we'll see what the landscape looks like. They're going to look at quarterback every year because Russ is the second oldest quarterback in the NFL. Happy birthday, Russ, by the way, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but second oldest starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, but uh, that is uh, 
certainly on the table, but I don't think it's a must do this off season. That seems strange when you said that, just because I got so used to having the old guys around. But I'm like, all right, well, who is older than Russell Wilson? I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. It's just Matt Stafford. He's the Sta- only quarterback who's older than Russell Wilson. Wow, God, I've been. I guess that makes sense. I went and I went and watched Stafford in the high school. Uh, it was, I think it was quarterfinals. There were about forty thousand people in the stadium in Texas. That was a good time. I've got I've got that video too. It was him and Javon Sneed. If you remember mm-hmm. him, they were playing yes. each other. And it was a, it was a heck of a football game. Yeah, I um, on this, or do I think Denver keeps him? Do you guys think they take a quarterback next year? I, I almost feel like we're pushing it down one year now. You know, um, yes, I think Russell Wilson is back next year. We'll see, but yes, I think it still makes the most sense, which means he's probably back in twenty twenty five. I think spring of twenty twenty five is when you take that quarterback, uh, unless the right guy is there. Because you're still going to need – well, you're okay with the backup quarterback position now, assuming um, Stidham wants to stick around as a backup. Um, but he's making good money to be a backup quarterback. That's not a that's not a bad gig. Uh, Maybe the best gig. I feel gig, like you've, you've been able to push that down one more year where you can still – Russ's contract hit still isn't that bad next year. It's 2025 where it gets pretty rough. Um, so – have somebody in the pipeline that you can move on because after 2025 you you've got much much more flexibility with russell wilson's contract and we've talked about it on here a few times uh this offseason the fifth day of the league year this year is a really big fork in the road for the broncos because if you do keep him 34 million guaranteed hits in for 2025 which is you don't just want to set that on fire i think the dead cap hits after 2024 would be even harder uh, to move on from with that 34 million additional on the contract there. So I think it's trade him, you know, and then somebody could trade him up, you know, because with, 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 with guaranteed salary, if that's going against, that's more like trading Jerry Judy, Jerry Mm -hmm. Judy's got 13 million next year, but you're on the hook for only what the other team decides not to pay as opposed to signing bonuses Mm -hmm. where you're eating that money, no matter what. So the high base salary could work to your advantage, but, I think I think Russell Wilson, you you want to you you want him as your quarterback next year. Yeah, things seem to be progressing uh, right now for the Broncos offensively. This was despite the average box score uh, looks of Russell Wilson against the Browns team. I think this was his maybe his best game in Denver uh, because of the control of it and uh, the explosives that they were hitting against the number one defense in the NFL as well, which I think is worth monitoring or mentioning. But uh, yeah, I think the Broncos. When you have a quarterback as old as Russell Wilson, you have a new head coach in here like Sean Payton, they are going to look, without a doubt. They're going to say, is this the time to take quarterback? Do we like any of these guys enough to be aggressive and go make that move? I have no doubt about that. It's not, And that is not to displace Russell Wilson. It could be a, we have a quarterback here for a year or two um, in Russell, and then we move on to that guy. I don't think that's beyond question. I think it's most likely you probably take a, a day three kind of guy this year or do a football rehab kind of move where you just flip picks and take on a Mac Jones, a Davis Mills, a Zach Wilson. I don't, I don't know. It depends. Like Sean Payton obviously has been in the league and they had guys that they liked when he was with the Saints. So maybe you bring in somebody for, as I like to call football rehab. Um, I know that there's a lot of reported love between Sean Payton and Mac Jones in that draft on the, the Saints could not get up ahead of the Patriots. And Mac Jones has been horrible this year, but he wasn't horrible as rookie year at Alabama. So we'll see. They're going to be hunting, I think, but it's not a, it's not a must-have for the offseason. Speaking of must-haves, we must have Troy Boer coming in. He says, hey, guys, seems like another game where we need to set the tone early. 
early lead in running game with Cleveland and getting and getting CJ off his spot in Houston. Have a great show. Thank you, Troy. And the way the Denver Broncos are playing right now, getting a lead is paramount. You want to put the pressure on the other team. That puts the ball in more in harm's way. You are running the ball and not necessarily the points are coming, but you're not an explosive offense. So you are a running team first, get a lead. And the, the Broncos have been great at that. They've been really, really good in the first half of getting points on the board early and putting pressure on the other team, which helps leads to some of those turnovers. Troy, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little different, I think, with Houston because Cleveland was built that if they had to play catch-up, it was over. It was There was no way in absolute hell. Sorry, I mean, anything can happen in the world, right? But uh, right. DTR uh, was not going to be able to play a drop-back pass game with the t- injuries at the tackle position the Cleveland Browns had as well. When they were down 14 to zero, I mean, once it was 14 to zero in that first, I'm like, boys, we're coasting. This is going to be, unless you outright lose the game, it's going to be damn hard to not walk away with the W. That's not the case of the Houston game. Obviously you do want to put them from behind, but Houston has been the most uh, aggressive passing offense in the NFL this year. The air yards per attempt and air yards per completion. I think dwarf everybody besides, I think the tech Titans have better air yards per attempt, uh, but they are aggressive. They can hunt. And this is not a team that's, built through the offensive running game. So I don't think the Houston Texans would fold if it was 14 to zero. That's a team that I think has the ability to strike back where Cleveland, I mean, it was, it was over at 14. I, I agree with you. And let me, let me rephrase um, where Troy says, seems like another game where we need to set the tone early. No, I think that's still the game plan. I think yeah, that is hundred yeah. percent. The game plan is to get out there and turn a team one dimensional and play with a lead mm-hmm. and try and uh, strangle, you know, the, the team in the second half with your running game. So I think that's absolutely the game plan. I think you are also more likely to see the need for Russell Wilson to make some plays with his arm uh, to mm-hmm. beat to beat this team because, as Nick says, they are they're they're the most explosive team you have played in this streak, including Kansas City. The way they are playing right now, I read they've been shut out twice in the second half, like in mm-hmm. the last four games or something. Other than Buffalo. Buffalo can put up points in a hurry. So in this five-game winning streak, the most explosive passing game that you will have faced isn't really Kansas City. It's Buffalo. Yes. And then Houston Texans. Yep. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And the other part about the big difference between Buffalo and the Texans is that the Texans have the second lowest interception rate of any team in the NFL behind our Denver Broncos and the bills are the 32nd team in uh, interception rate per pass. So they are the 
the Houston Texans are aggressive while still protecting the football. Now, CJ Stroud is a rookie. Things can happen. We saw him, I think it was a three interception game versus the Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah. Um, they so, may have tried to open things up a little bit more. I don't know on mm-hmm. that one because they still won the game. Yeah. You know, they still beat the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So it's, man, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. And, uh, Really wanted to, to dig into it further and some interesting data surrounding the outcomes of this game. But Jeremy comes in and says, morning, boys. Imagine winning five straight and still having a must-win game with six to go. This, by definition, is not a must. By a you know black and white definition, is not a must-win because your playoff odds don't go to zero if you lose. You're not eliminated. Oh, man, Scott, the numbers surrounding the Broncos' playoff chances if they lose this game, PFF, according to their... Uh, simulations and data a loss drops the they're sitting around you know 40 percent right now 35 percent a loss drops denver to 21 percent a win all the way up to 64 that is the biggest swing i've been following these simulations uh this season that's the biggest single swing a game has had for playoff chances or playoff out that i've seen this year almost a 40 percent swing dependent on what happens in this game is it a must win no but oh my god your margins to make the playoffs go practically impossible if you lose this game it it is i mean like you said but yes you're mathematically alive sometimes you hear that say okay this team's been eliminated but yeah but they've been eliminated since you know september 15th 11 and 6 gets you in the playoffs yes so you can afford to lose one game Mm -hmm. 10 and 7 and you're you're you need some help you can get in at 10 and 7 but you're going to need some help and with the afc this is one of those you don't want to lose a tiebreaker to another AFC team, as Nick has said. And so and must the conference win. record. The conference record, too. Like you can lose if you're losing any games going forward, make it be Detroit because you are behind you are losing the tiebreakers to every team in front of you right now, uh, tied with you that uh because they have a better conference record. Right. Yeah. Which is which is big. That ends up being a half game. So you're not ten and seven, you're nine and a half and eight and a half yeah. <laughs> or seven yeah. and a half on that. When you, when you have the tiebreakers on there, but you can lose one and still make the playoffs 11 and six will get you in. But this one, this one makes it tougher. This one makes again, like you can lose, you can lose Detroit and it won't really matter. Um, it won't really matter. But when, when Jeremy put that up there, imagine losing, you know, winning five in a row and still having, uh, you know, still having a must-win game. I'm like, see, y'all, I, I've, I've called Denver Broncos fans spoiled. You don't know how the other half lives, man. Uh, 2018, the Atlanta Falcons, they had winning streaks, two three-game winning streaks in 2018 and finished 7-9. and nine. In 2019, they finished the season. This is 16-game season. They finished the season 6-2, and two, baby, 6-2 and two to finish the season. They finished seven and nine. <laughs> so uh yeah, it's uh it's tough. This is a different team. This is this is a different team. This is a team that's new coaching, heading in the right direction. And uh and again, playoffs are not out of the question at all. And this is this is gonna be a fun game. The the I mentioned the passing game, but this will be the worst running game you've faced and probably the worst offensive line nick in this five game winning streak it's possible i think that the the vikings were really pretty damn poor at running the football too i think they're pretty close to the texans as far as their rushing efficiency mm-hmm. uh, but you are correct that this offensive line has been struggling and they also just lost their right tackle for the year in uh, maybe for the year but he's definitely out in this game titus howard 
Um, he was so, uh, a guard. Was, was, he, was he at guard? Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I double checked that, and he was uh, he was at left guard, and they're bringing in okay. the the replacement is um, Juice Scruggs, who who started for the first time, who was okay, but wasn't mm-hmm. very good. But he's only played one game so far, so you might remember him. He's a second round pick. Uh, if you Penn know State. much about him, I didn't remember him coming out. So Juice Scruggs is the replacement for Titus Howard this week. It looks like he was a surprise pick out early. He went, um, some people liked him, you know, round four as a center prospect out of Penn state. Uh, but, uh, we'll see. Um, that's definitely something that should be beneficial for the Broncos, especially I think stopping the run because a lot of times the centers are not considered earth movers in comparison to the guards. Mm-hmm. So if he's out there as a center now playing guard, maybe you don't have as much push, which God, that would help the Broncos rushing defense because that's a concern. Even though the Texans are terrible at it, the, the Vikings were terrible at it too. And yeah. they just carved up the Broncos on the ground. They only ran for about 35 yards last week, I think. Um, and they're, oh, the ja- and they're, but the Jags defense is. Yeah, like, the Jag, the Jags are good. Yes, their defense. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, our yeah, guy, I uh, tr- comment, I posted a Colts video and I had a comment like, ah, oh, the Jags beat you twice. I'm like, there's no shame in that. Jags are freaking good. <laughs> Yeah, they are. I can get beat by the Jaguars twice and still make the playoffs and be a playoff team. The Jaguars are good. Yes, they are. Probably one of the top five defenses in the NFL right now. Uh, Gary Palmer, 1999, says, Good morning, Nick and Scott in Broncos country. This game is not mathematically a must win, but emotionally it is. Go Broncos. Like I said, the numbers showed, uh, I think, 64 to 24 or something like that between the win-loss split in this game. It is not a must win, but I will say that this is probably the most important game down the stretch for the Broncos. Like if I could pick any of the games going forward where I've said you have to win this one out of the ones you have left, it is probably the Houston game because this is probably the only playoff AFC playoff caliber team you have left. And because they are right in the same rank as you um, with the head to heads coming up, it's a double whammy. So if you win this game, you get the head to head at the end of the year. So if it's just between you two, you get the win there, and it's also a conference game. So Chargers, whether they four and seven, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They're probably not going. to. I mean, you want to win that because divisional and conference, but for the playoff tiebreakers, not as important. Uh, you have the Raiders as well. Want to avenge that, but again, probably not making the playoffs. Um, and Detroit and New England uh, probably beat New England Christmas Eve. Okay, you never know. It's the NFL. Things are crazy. Broncos are horrible on holidays. It seems like, uh, but um, this is probably the most important game to win in terms of the playoff picture for the Broncos going forward. And does that make it a must win? No, but if you lose, my God, it is so hard to make the playoffs. Yeah. You got to win out then, you know, your, your margin for error is down to zero. Um, I, I ran through ESPN's playoff simulator. Um, and I actually ended up with the Broncos at 11 and six because I, I was being a Homer, I guess. Um, but with the Broncos losing one along the way and finishing 11 and six, there were two teams that got left out at 10 and seven. Uh, it was the Colts. And I don't remember who the other one was, but there were two teams that got knocked out. It may have been the Texans it may have been the Texans. I had who maybe I had faltering down the stretch, especially if I had them winning this game. You said Cleveland six. made it and Steelers made it and the Broncos made it. So it would have yeah, to be the I, Texans. I had, I had, I think it was the, the doll, the, the, the Broncos at 11 and six were the six seed facing the four seed Miami dolphins. Wouldn't that be interesting? Give it to me. We we need that. It's really hard to beat a team twice, and that would be personal uh, for the Broncos. Although, not cold weather, but this is a different Broncos team. Doesn't mean they'd win, of course, but uh, it would not be a 70-20 to 20 game. I wouldn't say of course. You never know. You never know. A little overconfidence in there, and the football gods. But uh, 
Yeah, I, I like Miami, and someone's like, oh, Miami hadn't beaten a team with a winning record. And I was like, well, technically Denver's got a winning record, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but they're such but a different the, team now, right? Like it's, The three losses from yeah. the Dolphins were good losses. Mm -hmm. You know, Bills, it was the Eagles, Chiefs, Chiefs, and Bills in Buffalo after the Bills were coming off a loss. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not too worried. But again, the Dolphins finish. Their, their finish of their schedule uh, is pretty tough. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at how they finish... They, uh, their commanders this week, Titans, Jets, but then it's Cowboys at Ravens, Bills. Hmm. Well, you know, good for, for them for an eight and three team. If they hit a skid, well, why don't you go catch the Dolphins at 11 and six? Because the Dolphins are going to win the AFC East. Yeah. There's uh, Jets. Yeah. The, Patriots, Bills are, yeah. the Bills aren't really in it anymore, nope. are they? Nope. I mean, they could be if they win every single game down the stretch here, but they've lost a lot of head to head. So Dolphins are going to get in, I think, regardless because the division. Interesting fact about the Dolphins, since week eight, that is the number one defense in the NFL in EPA per play. They are getting after the quarterback. Uh, since J Jalen Ramsey has been back on the field, that defense has taken a massive step forward. So uh, shout out, to, I guess, to Vic Fangio. Sorry, folks in here. But uh, his uh, defense is still strong, and uh, the Dolphins are playing awesome defense right now. Everybody thinks Mike McDaniel the uh, the offense there, but the defense is turned to Jalen Phillips really good. playing really, really well when he got hurt. That's a loss. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, Wang Chung coming in here saying, Super Bowl, here we come. I have no doubt we were running the table. I'm hallucinating from the lack of fresh undergarments, but either way, Broncos for life. Yeah, you know what, uh, Wang? We appreciate the lucky underwear. Um, you maybe don't mess with a winning streak. Yeah. They don't come around that often. So you keep doing what you have to do for Broncos country and the sake of this community. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully there's no like underwear exchange at the end of the games or anything like that. That might be a little unsanitary, but uh, thank you, Wang Chung. We appreciate you coming in and saying hello and dropping the super chat. Uh, $5 here really does help the show. Um, we wouldn't have the show without the super chats. Davey Youngkin coming in here saying first thing, uh, first hope Thomas gets better soon. And I'm going to say yes, because the game we lost in the beginning of the season. So he's talking about <clears throat> the uh, Broncos. This being a must win game. Again, it's not exactly a must win game, but, if any of the games remaining are must-wins, it would probably be this one. Bama X, good morning, Broncos country. Good luck to you, Bama X. I cannot wait for the SEC championship game uh, Saturday afternoon. Man, that is going to be awesome. I don't know what's going to happen with the playoff committee this year because there are like eight teams that are deserving, and this, the scenarios are unbelievable, but I'm here for the chaos. Um, should, should be fun. My best friend got... SEC championship game tickets. He got four of them when we graduated from school in 1996. I bet he's gone to like three SEC championship games and he's probably sold enough to pay for his kids' college education. Like, why have I not gotten on that list for God's sakes? Yeah. Yeah. This is a, is there ever a chance? Like, I feel like Georgia and Alabama are in there so much that maybe there's some fatigue. Like, like oh, we're we not can really next year. Not really. They'll, the, it won't be like the first one because Georgia. You say, you know, they've been in there so much, but they haven't. This is still relatively new for the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, it was it was Florida, Tennessee for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and then ten and LSU. then and then and then Georgia got in yeah. some, you know, every now and then. But as far as when they went in for really the first time with a chance to like whether it felt like they were a really legitimate chance to win it about four years ago, I think it was when they first started this run under Kirby Smart. Um, those tickets are going for a thousand bucks a pop. 
Well, Georgia now has the longest win streak, I think, in SEC history or something. Uh, They've won like 24, 26 games in a row. Uh, So uh, that's uh, they haven't lost since losing to Alabama in the SEC championship game two years ago or something. So they're unbelievable. I I just I love Kirby Smart. He's been in, you know, he was one of my one of my he was he's just a couple years younger than me. He was like a graduate assistant when I was starting in recruiting. So we, we talked a lot. And he stayed the same guy as he climbed from, you know, position coach to NFL. He actually worked under Nick Saban. He followed Saban to to, uh, to Miami, uh, came back, you know, defensive coordinator for a long time to now to head coach. And he's always been the same guy. I just I just I, I think he's awesome. I'm so happy for him. They're unbelievable. It should be a hell of a game. Um, I know you guys aren't here for just the college football stuff, but uh, should be fun. And I've never I don't think I've ever seen a college football weekend where every single Com- power five conference championship game has playoff implications. So uh, it should be a lot of fun. Um, that Texas loss might sting though. <laughs> this is Bama. Uh, we got Zach powers coming in saying morning, morning. Good to see you. Mark coming in with the good vibes and Broncos will dominate. They are all in sync and we are, we will be ready. Go Broncos. Love that. Mark Brian Dunn's in the house and good morning. We got uh, Quentin Caldwell saying good morning as well. Hope you're doing well. David Youngkin saying, did anyone watch the Jags Houston game? Yes, I did. CJ Stroud is awesome. The Jags defense was a little bit better, and I feel like I don't know if we're like sleeping on him still, but like Trevor Lawrence is still unbelievably talented, and the offense has not been crazy there for the uh, Jaguars. But uh, that's that ability is still in there. So uh, that that was my takeaway. That was two amazing quarterbacks, and my God, the AFC South is just loaded with young, fun quarterbacks. String guy coming in here. Good morning, all. Denver has to win four or five of their final six to get into the playoffs. So pretty much remaining games are must wins. I think they have a good chance. Uh, hashtag strong running game. Yeah. As Scott said earlier, it's uh, not exactly a must win, but this is one that is uh, super, super important for the Broncos to win. Uh, we got Zach powers. The, this Houston game is the most important because it's the AFC opponent, but also be play a couple AFC playoff teams in the remaining schedule. So yeah, it's a, it's a big one. And Scott, just looking at the, uh, some of the data for this Houston team, my biggest concern in this game for the Broncos outside of can the turnover streak continue, of course, but uh, the Broncos defense versus Houston's offense, of course, but it's the explosive passing game. Uh, the Broncos have been one of the worst teams in the NFL, even during their win streak in giving up explosive passes. I think that Vikings game did a big number on them, uh, but I think they're 24th in the NFL in explosive pass. And what's an explosive pass by statistical definition. It's a pass of 20 plus yards. So a, not, it doesn't have to be air yards at 20 plus, but that Houston has the second most explosive passing offense in the NFL in 20 plus yard passes this season. Broncos are one of the bottom 10 teams in the NFL and giving up explosive passes. With so, Nico Collins and a third or fourth round rookie in, in tank Dell and, yeah. and a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach in a makeshift offensive line. Just Houston's again, this this will be not only is it a kind of a playoff, it's a playoff implications for sure in this game. It's also got coach of the year implications in this game. Cause I think, mm-hmm. you know, when we start looking at, okay, we'll Sirianni yeah. get it, Philadelphia, um, Dan Campbell. Campbell, we'll see how Detroit finishes. Yeah. But I think as far as when I think of coach of the year, for me, it's almost like turning a team around. And I really like Shane Steichen Colts. D'Amico Ryans, and they, they'll play each other twice. The Colts won the first game. And then what Sean Payton is doing with this team. 
Mm-hmm. So this this has some coach of the year implications as well. So yes, I agree with you. It's really tough to play to play the the type of offense, the conservative, the super uber conservative type of offense, all the underneath extended drives, lack of big plays for the Denver Broncos if you give up big plays on the other side. Nick, you you've, you've heard me use the uh the basketball analogy every so often where you feel like you just have to grind out every single possession. You know, you're whipping the ball around in the half court and you finally get a contested shot off and it goes in. You're like, whew, that was a lot of work. And then the other team just fast breaks down and gets a layup. You're like, damn it. Yeah. You can't play that style if you're giving up the big plays. So it's, it's got to be limiting the big plays. Make them earn it 10 to 12 play drives. And I don't know if they can. And that's where if you can eliminate, I know, big, you know, big revelation here. But I don't think the Houston Texans will beat you grinding the grinding out drives. They're going to have to hit big plays in order to beat the Denver Broncos. And you're absolutely correct in that, uh, their success rate. So that's really more of an indicator of how good you are play-to-play. Play. Um, if you have high explosive plays, a low success rate, your EPA can still be good. Uh, but the success rate is more you know your average uh, plays. So uh, the Houston Texans are actually 24th in the NFL in success rate. To your point, Scott, that the you know down to down is not as good if you are eliminating the explosive plays. And the Texans also have not been afforded amazing field position. 25th in the NFL on average starting field position. So I really, I mean, just we can say it right now. I think for me, the key to the game is Denver's defense eliminating explosive plays uh, in the passing game. That is something, again, they have struggled with this season. Uh, they, they've honestly struggled more against giving up explosive runs than passes, but still uh, it's an area of weakness for this Broncos defense. And it's going to be very difficult. Just what an interesting combination here because they are so explosive and aggressive pushing the ball vertically, but they're still second in the NFL in interception rate. I wonder if that's something that could normalize some in a game where the Broncos, you know, end up in a game with like four interceptions because of how aggressive CJ Stroud has been. But that ability to be aggressive and pushing the ball vertically while also protecting it. You heard me use this uh, comparison last week, Scott, but that is like, that's Aaron Rodgers. You know, the ability, like, how is that not being turned over? He's pushing the ball like crazy. Well, that was you. You, you, that yeah. was you. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's, that's the, the combination there of that kind of guy. You mentioned uh, we got Nathan. Nathan. We'll come right back to you. I wanted to yeah. uh, play off of Nick saying <clears throat> about what an intriguing game this is. So intriguing that that red is where your game is going to be shown. That is, uh, let me, let me hide this real quick. We'll come back, come back right, right back, back to you, Nathan. Appreciate it. Denver Houston is the red on this map, which is, four-fifths of the nation (laughs) will see this game on CBS. Hey, but lucky for us down here in Atlanta, we get Carolina and Tampa Bay instead. Yay. But if I were to get, you know, south of of the airport, I would have gotten Houston and and Denver again. Maybe I need to go see some friends down in McDonough or something because that uh, Carolina-Tampa Bay game does nothing for me. (laughs) Nothing. It's yeah, not even like, New Orleans and Tampa Bay. It's Carolina and Tampa Bay. Come on, man. That might be one of the worst games this week. Come on. Man, that's, that's ugly. Um, glad to say the Broncos aren't one of those ugly comp- uh, ugly games anymore. Uh, Nathan Johnson coming in $10. Thank you so much, Nathan. We Seriously, it's so helpful to get these super chats in here and uh, make sure that Chad doesn't you know pull the plug on the morning shows. Uh, <laughs> he, he says, good morning, guys. Long-time listener, first-time watcher. Well, good to have you in here and announcing yourself with a bang. Uh, says hoping for a win. Got a family member coming over to watch the game. He's a Texans fan, so a must-win game for me. 
uh, hopefully hoping we can get the turnovers that man I'm stakes are higher now, Nathan. I, I don't know. I've, I have a son on the way firstborn and I'm almost a little bit apprehensive of uh, watching games with him because like when the game is on, sometimes I turn into a different person. Mm-hmm. Um, not always the most rational, uh, but uh, to have an opposing fan come in, uh, that's a, uh, that's always tough. So good on you. Good luck to you. I wish you well. And uh, hopefully you aren't, uh, you know, saying anything you regret or he to you. I don't know about y'all's kids, but if you've got kids under 15, my kids don't watch sports. Hmm. They just don't, they play sports. Uh, they'll play video games of sports. They'll play video games with their friends of sports, but they do not watch sports. So I don't know how, if you have to worry about that. Like I said, I, I used to bribe them. You know, hey, Dad, can we go to a movie? Yeah, if Chelsea wins, go Chelsea. Then they cheer and, you know, that kind of stuff. But they, they, they've caught on to that. Nathan, appreciate you coming in. Good friend of mine's a Texans fan. He's a Houston guy. So he's all Houston sports. And I'm, I'm really happy for him the way this team has turned around with a team that's been – joke's not the right word, but it's been a little embarrassing. You know, the way they've handled their coaching situations, the way the team has been run the last few years, it's been a circus, I guess Mm -hmm. would be better than for me to call it a S show, but it's been a little bit of a circus and they really look like they've got things going in the right direction. They've got their coach. They've got their quarterback. That's two of the biggest pieces you can come up with should be a hell of a game. I'm really looking forward to it. Daniel Krause coming in on Facebook with the stars. Thank you, sir. Because I'm fired up about being fired up again. It's exciting, isn't it? The the hope, the hope in there instead of just a, last year was the worst. That was the thing. Last year was like, well, at least we're going to get a high draft pick. Oh, sorry. No, we're not. Damn it, Russell Wilson. (laughs) So he caught a lot of extra flack for that in a bad season. But Daniel says, I can say that Vance Joseph was my schoolmate at CU. Well, that's cool. I can say it with pride now. What a brilliant turnaround. Go Broncos. Yeah, Vance Joseph, again, you're, the dominant part of your personality becomes a strength when you're doing well, and it becomes really annoying when you're not. And he's, now that the Broncos are doing well, I can really, really appreciate his how calm he is. And I have a feeling that the man can turn it loose and get nasty. He's got that quiet calm about him where I would not want to see him mad. Uh, but yeah. he just, he projects such a, a quiet, calm confidence that the way that Sean Payton has trusted him and backed him and the way this defense has responded, Vance Joseph has done a hell of a job with this defense. Yeah. I mean, he really has. And shout out to, Sean Payton for, uh, you know, continued to stand by his coaching decision and shout out to the positional coaches as well. I mean, what we've seen with a lot of these young guys, I always say, uh, Christian Parker, but, uh, Wilty, uh, the, the pass rushing, uh, guy, the outside linebacker, what he's done with, uh, Benito this season and, uh, Baron Browning, of course, as well. And Cooper, I mean, those are, you know, not highly drafted assets that are playing, solid football at the edge spot and the, the ability to do that after moving on from veterans like Frank Clark and uh, Randy Gregory as well. Uh, addition via subtraction, maybe there, but that's uh, that deserves a shout out as well. They've been pretty phenomenal. I think Christian Parker's probably not long uh, for the Broncos here. I saw a separation versus coverage grade chart uh, put out yesterday and the Broncos had like three of the top 12 cornerbacks in the NFL in that metric, which is pretty incredible considering you have undrafted free agent Jaquan McMillan and, you know, kick around veteran, you know, with single year contract Fabian Moreau playing that level of football. I mean, that's 
that's phenomenal for the Broncos. So we'll see what happens with Christian Parker. Uh, but Jamar yeah, what a pain, I think is the name you're looking for. Uh, that's what Broncos uh, site says. Jamar Kane, pass rush specialist, Jamar Kane. Who's the outside linebackers coach? Defensive backs inside, defensive quality control, senior outside, Michael Wilhoyt. That's who I'm talking about. That's who okay. I was looking for. Wilhoyt, who so, I remember playing in the league. Nice to have both. Nice yes. to have both outside linebackers and a pass rush specialist. So give them both some flowers. And, and again, when I see Marcus Dixon's name up there, I just, I'm so happy for him. I was covering, it was right when I first started covering recruiting, early 2000s, when Marcus Dixon, I think it was Pepperell High School. I don't remember for sure, but he was a local kid. Uh, Metro Atlanta at least expanded at uh, Georgia kid when, you know, with outstanding grades, he was going to Vanderbilt turning down and this, you know, this isn't Vanderbilt has had some, a couple days in the sun and over the last 20 years, this wasn't then this was a kid going to Vanderbilt for the education who had offers from anybody. He could have named a spot. He could have played anywhere in the country. He's going to Vanderbilt and then got railroaded into jail on a just crap charge. And to see him come back, it's just, I'm again talking about, it's like the feel good morning, Nick. I just, I love it for him. I'm, I'm, I don't know if he, you know, his ceiling may have been something else in the NFL one day, but he's slowly climbing back up that ladder and he's still young enough to reach all kinds of heights in his career, including being a really good coach mm -hmm. with the Denver Broncos on a really good team right now. So keep an eye on him. He's overcome a lot. And he has a lot of talent. He's a smart kid. I mean, mm -hmm. so not a kid anymore. Only now he's a smart grown man. If you had talked about, okay, well, this is a guy who was a NFL defensive lineman that was coming out of Vanderbilt. Yeah, I, I want I want to be around people like that. So mm -hmm. another so lots of flowers for the coaching staff today. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh we'll see what happens with Dixon. I'm not really impressed with his unit, but granted, the investment in that unit has not been very high uh, right now. And I don't think that, I think that's much more of a horse's argument. Troy Boer coming in again. Second super chat today. Troy, thank you. Says also, I know we have said it before, but no jinx. How amazing is our team health? Oh my God. Okay. Knocking on wood there. Uh, yeah. The Broncos have been Knock very fortunate. <laughs> Pinocchio. Uh, we've also, uh, yeah, the Broncos have had extremely great luck in terms of health this season. I don't know where it compares to league average. Um, just haven't done the research on that, but Compared to previous seasons, uh, they're definitely hitting pretty well. I think it's one of the big reasons the offensive line looks as good as it does is because the cohesiveness of the unit uh, and the health you've had there. Obviously, you had some big injuries to start the year. They kind of came in bunches. Uh, be awesome if we had Tim Patrick out there. Quan Williams would have been fun to have, especially with Blitz looks out there. Uh, you lost Caden Stearns early. The safety position's kind of been uh, one of injury as well, but for the most part, I would say that the Broncos are hitting well above average in terms of injury. We'll see over multiple seasons if that is a strength and conditioning thing or if it's just a aberration uh, because most, for the most part, injury year to year is pretty, there's a lot of luck factors involved there. Uh, but right now the Broncos are cashing in on that and you should not say sorry or apologize for having injury luck in a season for where the Broncos have been. Just plays that way sometimes and I'm glad the Broncos are taking advantage of it. Nothing worse than, you know, you, Oh, we're really injury, uh, injury free and healthy this season. We've only won four games. Well, damn it. <laughs> so good to see the Broncos in the mix of things and staying healthy. And, uh, we'll see if the strength and conditioning coach, uh, is a big part of it. I think it's still too early to say, I want to see that over multiple years, uh, before 
we can say it's definitively the strength and conditioning stuff. Yeah, they were like fifth last year in man games lost to injury, and that would have been a trend for a long time where they were bottom five. Um, and depending on where you look, because I've seen some headlines that say they lost the most to injuries, and now I can't, it takes me a while to count that far two, mm-hmm. four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22. They're like 25th, according to StatMuse on man games lost to injury. And the key injuries, and again, you know, going back to it, when these injuries were happening early, Nick and Troy, Broncos country, there was some talk, oh, see, it wasn't all the new stuff. A lot of those injuries were recurring injuries. They were guys that had already been hurt and were re-aggravating. Or, again, we talk about, um, you know, Javante Williams, a guy coming back from a knee injury. Well, muscle tweaks follow those things around all the time. It's really hard to not get a a muscle injury of some kind when you're coming back from a knee injury just because the rest of your body, just no matter how hard you train, there's no shape like football shape. And the only way to get into that is to play. Um, You're just doing things on instinct and adrenaline that you cannot replicate in in training. Um, But for the most part, a lot of those injuries were recurring injuries and the team has stayed remarkably healthy. And that was a big point of emphasis to be addressed in the off season. And so far, Nick, it's working. Mm-hmm. It is. I, I'm a stick in the mud. I know that I always want to see the broader sample size. If I can get more data then why wouldn't I? And I think something like injuries is not as definitive on the field, you know, but when you're bottom five, six years in a row, that's that a broad is, sample size. Yes, exactly. It, so it's definitely was an issue. Is it corrected? Right now, it looks like yes, but I want to see more. Uh, Colin Wood coming in. I did want to say hi to him. Uh, he says, now that we're on the brink of the playoff contention, it would be a real bummer to lose this one. Uh, this is pretty close to a must win. Uh, I don't know if we said hi to string. Oh, we did say hi to string guy. That's good to see a string guy. Chris Jink. Oh, go ahead. Sorry about that. Yeah, we'll hit Chris real quick, and then we'll come back to Lawrence. He's uh, Another great that. morning's Broncos fan. <laughs> Spit it out, Scott, from Chris Jenkins. Blessed to be awake and chat with the great fans and hosts. Time for another dirty dub. Embrace it. Love it. Dirt, I, how how is Dirty Denver not in the the team store now? In on uh, we, we need to have that in the merch store, don't we? Hashtag Dirty Denver. Um, Give me that Dirty Denver D. And and I I've been looking because I came out on Monday. I said I would be absolutely shocked if Baron Browning was fine for that hit. I haven't seen it. No, nothing. I keep looking because when I say a definitive statement like that, I want to see if I'm right or wrong. Yeah. And I haven't found it because I would be, I I haven't seen anybody else announce that they'd been fined for this hit. So I don't remember when it comes out, but I thought it came out by Wednesday night. It it would be out by now. It's it's not happening. So, and I also talking about fines, uh, Kareem Jackson flew out to meet Goodell. Um, Not sure what's there, but uh, we'll see if there's anything that comes from that. Kareem's a smart guy. Uh, Overall, I don't, I mean, we can talk about the hits Till the cows come home, but he seems like a smart guy. I'm curious what his future looks like after his playing days, but uh, he's going to be still involved in football in some way. It's a lot uh, of money, man. I mean, the the suspended without pay is is that's big. Yeah. Um. You know, and and I see some of because I had one of the questions too. You know, follow the money is whenever you want to know. You see something that doesn't quite make sense, find out who benefits. You know, so mm-hmm. my cynicalism self was like, well, what's happening to all that money? That they're being fined. Well, it is going to charities. So I don't know. The NFL fine money, when players are fined, it goes to charity. It doesn't go to the NFL coffers. Now, who chooses those charities? I don't know because there's some pretty 
dang corrupt nonprofits out there <laughs> that are just money laundering schemes. But I don't know who chooses them. Hopefully, it would be in conjunction with the player and the league approved charities or whatnot. But that money does go to charity. Okay, well that's that's good. At least I uh, did want to say. I hope. mean, he's been sus- the fines are one thing. You know, fifty down thousand dollar fines, nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. But when he's got a, what does he have? A, at least it's against base salary because you know when when Deshaun Watson was suspended the first how many ever games of the season last year his base salary was one million dollars yeah you know on a 50 million dollar contract and he ended up losing like 400 grand (laughs) instead of you know a third of his total compensation or whatever it was so uh but kareem's is almost all base salary he's he's Mm -hmm. lost his year more than a third of his his income this year luckily he loves ball Uh, i don't think he's doing it for just the money at this point um and uh so Obviously, it doesn't hurt, uh, but we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Blave Bliss, good morning to you. Have a fantastic day. You too, Blave. Everyone have a fantastic day. Robot of Doom, good morning, gents. Time for a good old-fashioned rodeo show. Yee-haw. Good to see you, Robot of Doom. Uh, we also got Lawrence Rivera coming in. Always good to see you, LR. Says, I just love how the streak started for my son's birthday. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going until your son's next birthday. How about that? Let's, uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> let's keep on riding, baby. He's going to keep great. having birthdays, so let's just keep the streak going. Yeah absolutely uh we got uh ryan hamilton mile high soldiers because i was curious about this one says what's up mom has soldiers <laughs> he meant mile high soldiers uh but i appreciate mom has soldiers as well yes she does uh hope you're doing well and uh, yeah i want to get a little bit more to Where these the we comes from right yeah, exactly greg smith in the house too good to see you leroy williams saying the heck with a wow playbook because russ not putting up big numbers is the reason why folks are complaining we're winning ball games that's what matters that is what matters um Go ahead, Scott. You have something to say here. Denver Broncos fans aren't complaining. I mean, there's a a major a, a really silent, a loud minority that bitches about everything, no matter what happens, especially on social media. <laughs> I'm always peeling. And, but there's a difference between Nick saying, "Hey, pump the brakes on this," and Russell Wilson still sucks. You know that that kind of stuff. That's there. There's a difference between you know hedging your bets, seeing all sides of things, and having an agenda. There's mm-hmm. people out there that just want to be miserable and want to make other people miserable. And those are the ones you just hit mute on. Yeah. Um, but Russell Wilson's following a game plan and there's other people that don't necessarily want to buy in. That's their job to talk about the Denver Broncos and playoff implications the same way it's, it's our job to do it. And if I'm looking from the outside, I might say, you know, can they keep playing like this against a top notch quarterback, you know, or, or whatnot? I, I would say, Will this sustain through the playoffs when you try and make, and I have said this, when you try and play three really good teams in a row, are you going to get nine turnovers, 10 turnovers come playoff time? Maybe you might, but it's going to be tough. And I say this in the midst of a five-game winning streak. The offense is going to have to step up at some point. They will. Why not this week? This is probably the weakest defense you will have faced since Green Bay. And the offense is considerably better than they were at the start of this streak. And this will be an interesting matchup and a good pivot here for two points. I really wanted to get to Scott, um, this Houston Texans defense, they are playing well above their talent level. And I do want to give a shout out to D'Amico Ryans. Uh, he was my, I think number two coaching candidate. I wanted for the Broncos entering this off season. Uh, 
was he three? I can't remember if he was two or three. Um, because I had oh, Harbaugh one. Had Harbaugh one, and then, and then I think I had Danico next, next, and then Sean Payton. Yeah, and I had, um, I had Sean Payton, then probably Harbaugh. Yep. Uh, all of them probably would have been good choices. We'll see what happens with Harbaugh. He might be entering the NFL. Uh, who knows? But that's a totally different conversation. Uh, but the Texans' defense has been relatively mediocre this season. I guess is the term we'll use. Uh, pro- overall below average. Um, they are 24th in EPA per play, so not great. Uh, they've been giving up explosive plays at a decent rate, especially the pass 23rd in explosive pass rate given up. Uh, their EPA per pass is horrible at 27th in the league, which would be the fifth or sixth worst. Uh, but, 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 but they do, I think, match up a little bit well with the Broncos, considering how the Broncos want to play, because they have been really stout against the rush this year, Scott. They are f- the fifth best EPA per play run defense this season. Uh, Houston so is? Houston is. Yep. Wow. Houston is they're kind of a weird team because like you look at the the graph of the X axis being passing EPA per play and rushing one, they're in the top uh left corner of the graph. So they've yeah, actually and, been and awesome. overall yards, they've got a top ten right now, also, which you know, statistics can be skewed, which is why I know you like the EPA on that. Mm-hmm. So they've been amazing against the run um this season. Uh so that's one thing that I think is gonna be interesting for the Broncos, given the Broncos are one of the most run heavy teams in the NFL. I think their pass rush over expected is the 27th lowest in the NFL or pass rate over expected, excuse me. Uh, so I'm curious to see what it looks like for the Broncos in this game. Is this going to be a matchup where they do open it up a little bit in the pass game? Because Houston can get got in the pass game as good as they are against the rush in EPA, a uh, fifth ranked or 27th against the pass this season. They've really struggled that way. They're 29th when they play in base 23rd and nickel, uh, you can get after them uh, through the air. They have given up explosive plays and just not been great in the past. Now, granted, Derek Stingley missed a lot of the season. He just came back relatively recently, so we'll see how that plays for them. Derek Stingley, jury's still out about how great he is. Uh, but that's something that this is going to be a Russell Wilson game. Uh, and if the Broncos win, maybe we do start to see some of the the opening up a little bit. Can they do it while still protecting the football? That is the key. That is we'll see but that is the key houston has been able to do that with a rookie quarterback now can the denver broncos yes they can last week i saw more trust in the offense than i'd seen all year from audibles to uh the running game the way they use put put their offensive linemen in motion checks at the line of scrimmage etc etc i think i think this offense is earning that trust from their head coach and again the offense is going to have to step up eventually for this for this team to reach the heights that you want them to, including winning this game. As Michaela Israel comes in with a super, she says, good morning, guys. Do you think we'll be able to beat Houston? This game makes me nervous. It should. Houston's favored. They're a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, my best friend is a Houston fan, so we need to win. Um, yeah, that'll that's always fun. Familiarity. You know, my, my best friend's an Arsenal fan, which is a Chelsea rival. But I want to beat Arsenal more than anybody in sports when it comes to that stuff because just because of that. We don't talk trash or anything. It's just in my head, I want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, you can. You can absolutely beat this team. Yeah. Carolina Panthers beat this team. How did that happen? Football games are wild, Scott. I mean, I know. any given week. Any yeah, given yeah. week. But this is beyond any given week mm-hmm. for the, and that's what we said going into the Buffalo Bills game. You. Beat a bad Green Bay team. Okay. Kansas City had a stinker of a game with five turnovers. Okay. 
You do it three times in a row against a good team like that, going into Buffalo on a, a, a primetime game when they're totally locked in, this this isn't any given Sunday anymore. This is we are a good team playing good football. Yeah. Yes, you can go in and win this game. You can absolutely go into this game. The, the key to it, as we said at the beginning of the show, is going to be limiting the explosive plays on offense from the the, the Houston Texans. And if they do hit a few, you're going to have to punch back. Yep. You're, you're going to have you're going to have to open up the offense. Offense is going to have to step up eventually for this team to be a playoff team. And this is probably going to be one of the games where stylistically speaking, the most is going to be on Russell Wilson's plate to deliver statistically. I don't think this is, can be a grinded out big 10 West esque game. You're going to have to, if you score, you're going to have to keep your foot on the pedal while it needs to be calculated aggression. Of course, you can't be reckless, mm-hmm. uh, but you're going to need to score points in this one because CJ Stroud and Houston can put up points in a hurry. Uh, and one point, Scott, you talked about the, the winning streak being impressive. Uh, the Broncos so far this season have played the third most difficult schedule in the NFL, according to uh strength of schedule and uh, EPA metrics. Um, so like the actual schedule they played so far this season has been the third toughest it only drops now to, I think, like the 14th toughest down the stretch. So like a big, a big difference, much easier than it was, but not like crazy easy. The the one that's really interesting is that through the first 12 weeks of the season, the Broncos have played the second toughest offensive schedule. So the strength of the defenses they played so far this season is the second toughest in the entire NFL. The rest of the season, it is far and away the easiest schedule for the offense. They have the easiest defensive strength the, their opponents have the the worst defensive strength through the rest of the season compared to any other teams in the NFL. They were close with the hardest offensive with the, I think the Patriots and the Chargers, but nobody is close to them in terms of uh, the defensive strength of schedule down the stretch. And I have a graphic as well that I can pull up, but uh, it's time for the offense. You know, a lot Broncos have been kind of middling in terms of their offensive output data, but I think some of that is because of who they've played and it should get, gosh, it should, in theory, it should be a lot better down the stretch here. Michael coming in. He believes. Coming in with big stars. Thank you for the support, Michael. Um, can't thank you enough. He says, I believe in the Broncos since day one because I'm a passionate Broncos fan from Tucson, Arizona, for life. Go Broncos. Uh, thank you, sir. And uh, this could be a game uh, for our guy, Ethan, DWI guys, when I start looking at the strength of their defense. They've got the number two ranked PFF linebacker, uh, in the in the entire league in Blake Cashman. So it could be an argument for you know do how much difference can a guy like this make because he's pretty darn good. He's making plays sideline to sideline at the line of scrimmage or behind and that could be a good see we need one of those guys type of type of games. I think he was drafted in the 4th round. Um so that's uh something that uh, again maybe linebacker first round maybe not the way to go but not first that it's not round, valuable. 2019 was it fourth round? It was yep. fifth. Fifth round. Okay. He did have, I think, a shoulder issue. I remember he was from Minnesota. He had an amazing combine, but he has like pterodactyl arm or uh, not pterodactyl. That's good. Uh, T-Rex arms. T pterodactyl is the other end. And uh, playing good football right now. And D'Amico's, I mean, if anybody's going to coach a linebacker as well, it's uh, D'Amico Ryan's. But uh, here's the graphic I was talking about, Scott. And you can see the Broncos way over here on the far left. And that, that X-axis is the defensive strength of opponents going forward um, through the rest of the season. And uh Denver, fortunately, has it really easy uh, going forward. Look at the uh, the Washington Commanders, man. Maybe they're going to get a top three pick in this draft because it's hard for them down the stretch. But Denver's, the relative strength of the offenses they play down the stretch 
is about the same. That's almost exactly where they were on the other end. Uh, but uh, if the offense, if we want the offense to step up, looks like the schedule sets up where they really should. So let me see. As I look at that, the offensive strength of opponents is middling. The defensive strength of the opponents is uh, bad. So that's good. So you look at some of these teams, like who are you trying to chase down? That's the other part of scoreboard watching too. Mm -hmm. Getting in that upper right quadrant. Well, you got to keep an eye on the Bills still. Um, Dolphins are out of it. Jets are out of it. Bengals are out of it. So let's look to the left now. Colts are going to be a team that you're going to have to contend with. Mm -hmm. Um, Steelers. Steelers. Browns are still in it, though. I I still think the Browns are going to come out of it. They were seven and three. I, I think they're vulnerable to uh to end up missing these things um but you face this you mentioned the number one of the hardest defensive schedule and you're still in the upper half of points scored you're still 13th overall in points per game in the nfl that's nice that's very nice d porter coming in with a nice super chat says good morning mhh this week is going to be a major test for the d Stroud plays backyard ball and can buy time with his legs to get guys open. We need to put up at least 24 to 27 to win. I feel have a great day, y'all. I I think you're right. I think this is the game where it's going to have to open up, where the the defense could look vulnerable again, and your offense is going to have to to win a game. Now, could go either way, of course, Mm -hmm. obviously, but the defense has really been the strength of this team and then clutch play from the offense when it matters, the defense and their turnovers – which ends up, even if you don't score points, you're still flipping fields and, and getting field position uh, when you're getting those turnovers, which in the long game of a 60-minute game matters. The the This is the most explosive offense you will have faced, including the way Kansas City is playing right now, mm-hmm. other than the Buffalo Bills. And you put clamps on the Buffalo Bills pretty good. And, and the Buffalo Bills probably ran the ball, run the ball better than, than, uh, oh, yeah. than the, the Texans. So... I I agree. I think this is one where the offense is going to have to sh- have to do its part. Yeah, I am hundred uh, percent with you on that. And just one more thing about the Texans' uh, offense and how the Broncos match up. I think this is a game where it's going to be tough for Denver, but I think they need to on first and second down figure out how to stop the run in nickel personnel. The Texans have shredded base this season. Um, they're, I think they're top five in EPA per play versus base. So that's four defensive backs out there. And I think they dropped to about 17th or 18th against nickel. And it is a massive discrepancy for the Broncos over this winning streak as well for their nickel defense versus base. I think Denver is seventh in EPA per play in nickel uh, since week seven. And I want to say 27th in EPA per play in base. So Denver, when uh, they are playing, you know, three interior defensive linemen and uh, four linebackers uh, really been pretty poor. And it was worse before the Cleveland game as well. I think they were like 28th or 29th in uh, their base defense EPA. So I think Denver needs to come out and figure out how can we stop the run on first and second down out of nickel personnel uh, and still force third and longs where we can get to those exotics and pressures. Luckily, again, the Texans have not been running the ball very well, uh, but Denver is a really poor base defense team right now. Uh, and that's something that is an off season issue for sure. Uh, but uh, something to watch in this game, can Denver do enough on those rundowns in nickel to get to the third and longs where you can actually use those pass rush pieces that you have uh, to their fullest ability. And we mentioned <clears throat> some of the weapons they had. We talk about Nico Collins. We talk about, uh, about Tank, Tank Dell. Dell. Mm-hmm. Noah Brown. Yes. Journeyman. 
wide receiver uh, has found a spot, but he is questionable. He did not play last week. He didn't play the last two weeks, if I'm reading this right. Mm-hmm. But going in, and he's questionable this week. In the previous two games at Cincinnati and against Tampa, get 13 catches for 300 yards and a touchdown, averaging 25 yards per. Yeah. There's the guy where having a, a player like Jaquan uh, McMillan out there now to really keep an eye on that third receiver can make such a huge difference. And a guy making a huge difference for us, Ethan, DWI guys coming in with the support. Uh, our closer, great show, gents, and Broncos country. Have a great weekend and go Broncos. Thank you so much. Keep an eye on Noah Brown, too. And I also want to give a shout-out to, they paid decent money this offseason for uh, former Stanford tight end uh, via the Cowboys, uh, Dalton Schultz, who's been a pretty good red zone weapon for them as well. So they have a nice assortment of pass weapons. CJ Stroud's doing a good job getting them. Again, I think this is a game where you probably need to play pretty conservatively on the back end with the coverages. I am not looking for a lot of, you know, uh, cover zero looks. I'm not looking even for a lot of cover ones. I think you need to keep cover three, uh, cover six in the back end and make them matriculate the ball down the field because while they're not making mistakes in terms of turnovers at a high rate, they are living on the explosive pass plays. So you got to figure out a way to slow that down. And it's a, that's a strength for strength for this Broncos game. Uh, the Broncos, as we talked about it, this, uh, what makes this defense tick right now is the secondary, uh, without a doubt in my mind, the cornerbacks are all playing really good football over the winning streak. And uh, can you, but they're still giving up explosive plays, mostly runs, but some pass still. Uh, so that's something to watch in this game. I think that is probably my key to the game. Can the Broncos win the explosive play battle against the Texans? Because if you do, you got a chance. Alberto Rodriguez update on Kareem Jackson appeal. That was upheld last week. Like, mm-hmm. like we said it was, that was, uh, you know, again, free Kareem. Whatever. I'm not going to argue with Broncos country on this one, but that was a pretty textbook personal foul. Um, And it was about his fifth one of the year. It was on his first tackle after coming back from suspension. So I don't know if any of y'all have gotten in trouble before, but the last thing you want to do is go back in front of the judge. Go back in front of the principal. Go back. Weren't you just here? Didn't I let you off last time? Yeah, we're not letting you off again this time. So that was never going to be... that one was not going to be changed, and it, it yeah. wasn't. So it was the full four games. Um, before we close out, well, the this Houston Texans team, I'm looking at them, the strength of their offense, they've played some opportunistic defense. The strength of their offense is not on the offensive line. It's in their passing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, four of their top five pro football focus graded players are three wide receivers, uh, and, a, and a tight end and, and their quarterback. Who does this team remind you of, of in the last three or four seasons if I describe them like that? I'm not sure. Okay. Really good passing game, opportunistic defense, crap offensive line. Not the, it's the pre, it's the Tyree Kill Chiefs uh, or the uh, the Chargers. For me, it's the the first time it was like the nine and seven Cincinnati Bengals that made a Super Bowl run. Oh, uh, that's a good call. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call. They uh, had they had more invested in their offense, you yeah. know, with the guys that were making plays or former number one picks. But that's how I kind of see this team as they're, they're they're like a year away from really competing, but they can money more absolutely. They're like a year away from really competing. A couple more pieces. On, on in the trenches on both sides of the ball, but they're mm-hmm. a dangerous, dangerous team. Yeah. 
you know, the one difference I would say there is the style of quarterback. Now the Bengals were killing it with the nine ball to Jamar chase, but the rate of vertical passing game was not nearly the same. I mean, the Bengals are one of the lowest air yards per attempt teams in the NFL because they like to spread it out and then let Joe Burrow pick the match at pre-snap and get it there and take some calculated shots. This Houston Texans offense is bombs away mm-hmm. consistently. They also have, while the Bengals offensive line, excuse me, while the Texans offensive line is struggling, they do have a pillar piece on their offensive line in Laramie Tunsil, uh, who can essentially wipe away a matchup. When out I there said as four well. of the five highest yes. ranked guys, Laramie Tunsil was the fifth. Yes. Yep. And he hadn't been playing a whole lot this year. If I'm not mistaken, he 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 battled some injury, but it's just it's just coming back. I'm not 100 percent sure on that one. Yeah, he's uh, but he's very, 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 very talented, um, and uh, that does kind of change the math a little bit. Uh, but he's interesting, and I think the Broncos again—they're not rushing the ball well. I think that's an interior offensive line indicator, uh, and we also haven't mentioned it once. But uh, game wreckers on the Texans, Broncos offensive line has been playing really good football, and I think the synergy slash understanding between the offensive line and Russell Wilson in this last game was as good as I've seen in his time in Denver. Um, I guess you can call me a Russell Wilson questioner or something, but his sometimes my biggest complaint with Russell Wilson is that he's not really feeling the pocket. He's looking to escape. He's running into sacks sometimes while trying to escape. And this last game, I didn't really feel that. I felt like he was actually stepping up in the pocket. They were giving him plenty of space. Those offensive tackles were riding the edge rushers out, and Russell was able to play within the structure of the pocket while still being a playmaker. And that is something that I hope can continue because it's not Miles Garrett coming up here. It's not the Texans, but... Will Anderson has been one of the best seven edge rushers in football this season. Probably defensive rookie of the year. I don't know. It was Bl- Maybe it's uh, Bland. Is Bland a rookie too on the uh, Cowboys who has all the pick sixes? I don't know. Ron Bland? Yeah, he's got more touchdowns this year than Kyle Pitts has in his career. Uh, he might. If he's a rookie, then it's probably going to be him, but uh, yeah, just because of the craziness. I don't but, remember uh, that one. Um, real quick, Michael coming in. Great show today. Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Uh, closing us out on Facebook, Gina. I'm just going to flash this one because it will it'll cover us. <laughs> we have Good to morning, parry just... this one, so I'm going to read it. Uh, but thank you for the support, Gina. Uh, she says, "Good morning, MHH. Just got to say, it's going to be a tough weekend matchup. Our Denver offense has to capitalize on opportunities. Yes, it does. Our defense has to play smart with the pressure and watch out for those nasty penalties that have killed momentum and come at gut wrenching moments of past games." Houston is going to be tough, but the Broncos do have a chance. I believe safety play is going to be key on this one to, to prevent those. And you've got a pretty good tandem right now and one of the best in the league in Justin Simmons. So keep an eye on that. Make sure that Justin Simmons is getting guys in the right position and he's reading a rookie quarterback and he may come away with an interception or two in this game. It's possible. He's not my first team all pro vote uh, for safety, Scott, but uh, Justin Simmons is obviously great. And PJ locks range. Yeah, he's. He's up there. Maybe Javon Holland's up there too, but uh, that's another conversation. Uh, guys, we're at an hour. We got to wrap it on up here. Thank you, everybody, for all the super chats. Uh, Scott, before we finish it, prediction. What's the score? What's it going to be? I like the Broncos in this one. They're they're hot. I think the, like I said, I think the, the, the Houston Texans are really a year away that they're playing at 500 is remarkable for, for this team. And I think D'Amico Ryans is in the hunt for coach of the year. In Houston, it's going to make it a little tougher. But again, I think a little bit more veteran leadership on the Denver Broncos, a little bit more of a complete team uh, with the running game and, and the strong defense. 
that I like the Denver Broncos on this one, and I think they're going to have to step up on offense 27-24, somewhere in that neighborhood. Jeremy says, pick Houston, Nick. Oh, I picked the Broncos last week, so I don't know if there's any uh, juju there one way or the other. Uh, again, keys, Broncos got to win the explosive play battle. Uh, Houston's passing defense has not been great, uh, and Houston's offense essentially lives off the aggressive passes down the field. So uh, Broncos got to be ready to play in space down the field. I do worry about they haven't really been tested so much in that area besides the Bills game. So I'm worried about what that looks like. You know, penalties might be a big factor in this one with how much they like to test it vertically. Those defensive pass interferences can be uh, a big difference. Uh, so hopefully that's not the case for the Broncos. Also didn't mention the Houston Texans claimed Derek Barnett off of waivers from the uh, former first round pick from Tennessee uh, who played for the Eagles for a number of years. I don't know how much he's going to factor in the game plan, given they just brought him in, uh, but he's one to watch as well. Greenard is really good for them. Stingley uh, really like, do you remember how much I love Jalen Petrie coming out to out of yes. Houston, uh, Baylor? Yep. I like he's, the other Baylor one. I, I remember thinking yes. that the other Baylor safety, I don't remember his name. Uh, Stefan Diggs, you know, talking about, I'm thinking of matchups and similar players. Stefan Diggs uh, against the, against the Denver Broncos was three catches for 34 yards. That was his second lowest output of the season. Mm-hmm. it's a little different with the Houston because it's a quarterback centric distributing thing versus a one amazing wide receiver and then kind of a bunch of meh for the uh the Bills pass catchers other than the tight ends but uh yeah it's it's gonna be interesting this is gonna be a hell of a matchup Gina Cooper says uh 27-24 Broncos beating Texans yes I'm feeling that vibe I think this is going to be a pretty surprisingly explosive game overall in this one. And I think the Broncos are going to have one of their better offensive outputs of the season. Uh, I'm going to have the Broncos winning this one 31 to 23. I'm expecting uh, just, I think this is one where they're going to have to finally maybe open it up a little bit because CJ Stroud is, it's not, you can't turtle. You can't park the bus against CJ Stroud. You're going to have to keep it on and pour it on. Can you do that while protecting the football, not taking sacks and just avoiding negative plays on offense? It's really hard. It's really hard. That's what football is all about, though. The over-under is 47 and a half. I kind of like the over on this one because my yeah. second score was basically like 31-24, 31-27. And I'm still putting it in the 50s. I'm still about a touchdown over on my over. Yeah. So, therefore, it'll be 13 to 10, and uh, and we'll see how it goes. But um, I, I do kind of like the over on this one. Yeah. One final thought. God, sorry, Scott. I know we're long, but uh, watching the Houston's a couple games this year, they're – defense is extremely vulnerable from the slot. So I'm expecting a lot of 11 personnel from the Broncos in this one, trying to spread them out a little bit and trying to isolate guys in the slot. This could be a Marvin Mims or Jerry Judy game. And robot of doom comes in and says coming Jerry Judy coming out party, 120 yards and two touchdowns calling it right now. Yeah. The Texans have really struggled with their slot in pass coverage. Uh, so maybe that's an area. I mean, if you trust anybody to see that and exploit it, it's probably, uh, Sean Payton. So really, we'll be curious about that matchup, but uh, watch for the Broncos in the slot, because I thought that that was a big issue uh, for the Texans in uh, multiple games I've watched. Well, looking forward to uh, coming back and talking about it on Monday morning. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Zach power says Tunsil's lungs are impressive. If you uh, don't get the reference, check out what happened on draft day. Um, but appreciate everybody coming in here. Uh, make sure you're following Scott. One Michael real quick from Michael coming in and closing us out big. Um, oh, yeah. with, uh, with some big boy stars coming in huge on Facebook today. And then, uh, Lawrence Rivera also come fi- uh, finishing us off on Facebook. 
heck yeah. We love you guys. Uh, we'll see you again on Monday. Make sure you're following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you guys are following us at Mile High Huddle as well as BFB underscore pod. If you're on the Facebook machine, get on Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle and Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle pod. And as that ticker has been showing there underneath, please subscribe to Mile High Huddle over on YouTube. So that way, you know, when we go live or you get that alert and you can watch after the fact, uh, like this specific show, like all the Bronco build, uh, Broncos for breakfast shows. And of course, share on your social media platforms. Scott, it's going to be a heck of a week of football Friday night. We got to the PAC 12 championship, which is essentially a quarterfinals, uh, all the conference championship games on Saturday, which like every single one has massive playoff implication. Don't watch the big 10 championship. Um, please guys, I don't want you to, uh, feel bad for me because I was, I think a 24 point, uh, dog. And I think there is a better out there that the first half over under for Iowa was 0.5 points, 0.5 and a half. Oh my God. Um, but wow. Uh, but this should be a good week. Taking the under <laughs> negative points. It's, it's possible. I guess if they actually account for, you know, like a pick six or a fumble return for touchdown, does that, does that a negative points, but, uh, safety safety. Yeah. God, we'll see. Um, you play to win the game. Anything can happen, but appreciate everybody. You guys are killing it today. Had a good week, and uh, any final thoughts, Scott, before we uh, kindness and compassionate out? Yes. Dallas Cowboys and Seattle Seahawks tonight is an interesting, that's a tasty Thursday yes. night matchup. Yes, that'll be good. The Seahawks have been really trending down, <laughs> so I will take the Cowboys in this one emphatically. I think uh, this is a chance for Dak Prescott to put a stamp on that uh, MVP conversation. I know a lot of Jalen Hurts. They've lost three of their last four, but it was at Baltimore, at Rams, who were playing some pretty decent ball Rams, and then 49ers. Yeah. So, but then it's at Cowboys, at 49ers, Eagles. Good Lord. Who got the Seattle Seahawks schedule? My goodness. Yeah. So, uh, enjoy that one tonight. And, yeah, uh, and, and if it's another big loss for the Seahawks, you can start saying, thanks for Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To be great. And yeah, go Dallas. We appreciate everyone. Chris says go Iowa. Yeah, I think everybody's hoping that Michigan gets uh, taken down, but uh, probably not going to happen. Appreciate everyone. Have a great one. Make sure you continue to choose kindness and compassion. Have a great weekend. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's join M-I-D-I dot com.